Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. We're going to continue our study today of uh, seeing and savoring. Did everyone receive a copy of the notes? Anyone need a copy? If you want to raise your hand, we should have some people that are going around momentarily and bringing out the notes. If you weren't here, if you missed last week, you can catch up online with our podcast. Um, But what we're doing on Wednesday nights, the study of seeing and savoring Jesus, is a lot of information. And so in order for us to make sure we get through it all, it's more of a teaching format. And we also provide notes for you. That way, if we don't get to everything, you have notes to take home and dig in on your own. We don't want people to just take what we say up here for granted. We want you to be able to go home, dig in it, and let it come alive inside of you. Let it take root within you and bring forth fruit. Amen. Amen. So we talked last week about seeing and savoring Jesus and we stirred the pot, did we not? We stirred the pot about being hungry for him and desiring to see him, to know him, to be changed by him. And so tonight we're going to start off taking a look at, well, where is Jesus? And so we're in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and it says, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And so we want to take a look a little bit here as, as the, the God is the one has, that has shown in our hearts. That, has, you know, he is the only one that can come and breathe that life. The scripture itself says that, that the prince of this world, come on, has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever. Blinded the eyes, meaning they, it is not possible for them to see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ Jesus. It's impossible. The only way for us to see the revelation of Christ, to meet him face to face, to fall in love with him, to give him our our hearts, is that God himself allows in our hearts for the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ to be shown. That's the ruach, the breath of life, the breath of heaven in John 20, 22, that Jesus breathed life into them. We need the light and the life of the gospel breathed into us that we might have revelation. That's the only way. Have you ever, you remember all those years ago before you got born again and people would talk to you over and over and over and you're like, yes, I know, I've heard it. You know, have you ever been there? And you hear it and you hear it and you hear it. You know there's truth to it, but come on, bruh. And then all of a sudden, in a moment of time, Jesus loves you and has a great plan for your life. And all of a sudden, the light bulb goes on. All of a sudden, the, the blinders are removed from our eyes. It wasn't because that person was so super spiritual and they were so wonderful and said just the right thing at just the right time. It was because the hand of God came upon them. And the mercy of God came upon you and I and opened our eyes. Opened our eyes to the light of the gospel of Jesus. And so we've got to begin to take the pressure off of ourself in Christianity. There is a a job to do. It is Acts 1-8. It is the Great Commission. We're to go out and make disciples. But it isn't about me. It isn't about you. When you look at me in the natural, I am completely unqualified. The life that I've lived in, no, there's more qualified people than me. But thanks be unto the Lord, he's chosen earthen vessels to pour out his glory. And we call upon the name of Christ and just say, God, can you come? Can you come? It's not by power nor by might, but by his spirit that life is breathed into people. Amen? So we look at point B here and it says, and I really love this, the doctrines that Paul and the apostles preached had not been elaborated yet with human reasoning, with science, or tradition. Hallelujah. They had been communicated directly by the source of all light, the true God. 
And so what you and I want to do is we want to begin to emulate what the apostles did and the fact that they had a personal encounter with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? You and I don't want to preach or teach or live or try to act out something that we have no clue what we're talking about. Come on. Pastor and I couldn't get up and preach on the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and all the stuff that happens if we had not experienced it because there would be no life coming from us to be able to give to you, to be able to equip and empower you to go out and to walk in the power that Christ offers us through the Holy Spirit. Amen? But what we do give is what our experience is, what we've encountered through experience that matches and kisses the Word of God, right? That's what you and I want to get in every area of our life. We need to get a hold of Christ in our marriage. We need to get a hold of Christ in our finances, Christ in the workplace, Christ in our everyday living. Because as we get a hold of Christ in that, we can begin to give Christ, come on, from a personal encounter, not from, well, you know, my pastor says, and, uh, you know, I read in the Bible somewhere, and well, you should do this. We have no idea what we're talking about. It's like, ding, ding. You know, just going, you know, right off the wall. There's no life in it. Why? Because it's not experience. We haven't experienced it. When you and I have experienced something and we know that it's true, let me tell you, this good old Catholic girl that went all wild, gets born again, and I become a good old Baptist girl. When I went to that state penitentiary and I saw the glory cloud above those inmates in that gym, and I began to see the, the, the murderers and the thieves and, and, and these women that have done horrid things begin to give their lives to Christ. And that little old lady walked up and I reached out my hand and I went to say, help her God, and tongues rolled out of my mouth and wouldn't stop. There was not one person in all of time that will ever be able to convince me that the supernatural is not real. Why? Not because I read it and I know my theology. I know it but because I experienced it. I couldn't fight you tooth and nail with doctrine and scripture, but I could tell you what I experienced. And I could tell you I'm going to figure it out in here. I'm going to find somebody to help me to understand this. You get what I'm saying? Paul and the apostles had a personal encounter with their relationship with Christ, which is why they could preach what they preach and not only preach it, but live it because they'd already been experiencing it. And so we want to find Christ in the gospel, let the glory of the light of the gospel of Jesus breathe every day in every area so then we can go give it. If that's not happening, there's no life. It's like just, it's just dry, <sighs> boring, and dead works. Um, <coughs> I want to skip down to point D real quick for sake of time because I feel already I'm getting excited about stuff. But before we read point D, I want to tell you about a time in my life. I was, um, you know, called into the ministry, and I had been, I was still working in um, business. I was human resources, and um, I was doing a lot of work in the ministry, but I hadn't really stepped into my giftings yet, my callings yet. And the Lord told me I was going on this mission trip. And so very long story short, the only reason why I agreed to go was I thought it said $1,800. I didn't see that it said $3,800 because I wouldn't have faith to believe for 38, but I could maybe have faith to believe for 18. Ended up going on the trip, right? And I ended up going with my spiritual dad, with one of my um, best friends, having to be a guy who was one of our staff intern pastors who I absolutely looked up to, with one of our um, staff pastors who ended up joining on the trip who I really looked up to him and his wife, and a couple of other uh, women. And so I end up going on my first trip with these people that are like spiritual giants to me, right? And the night before the trip, we're in a service for young adults, and we're praying, we're praying and we're worshiping, and the Lord shows me. He says, I'm going to show you my glory on this trip. I said, well, I'm not going. I'm scared to death. I ain't going on that thing. Because I was so scared. I was scared of what I was going to encounter. I was scared I wasn't good enough. I wasn't worthy enough. I don't even, I've heard about these trips, the supernatural things that happened. Who am I? I can't do this. Heather, I'm going to show you my glory. I begged and I pleaded with him to let something happen and me not go. I was so scared. Very long story short, I go. Um, we're, at the, we're at a penitentiary. We're at a prison. And in the Philippines, the prisons are like the size of smaller, like probably the stage. And you have a, a, a two stories. And you have probably about two to 300 women in that area hanging from the rafters. Like it's pretty bad. We're in there, and um, worship's happening, and worship's coming to an end, and the lead of the trip looks at me and says, hey, you're up. And I had about a 30-second notice for my first message. 
And what was so awesome, and all these people I looked up to were there, right? So I step in, and, and, and immediately that I step, step forward to take the mic, I felt the glory of God. I felt the presence of God. I felt the power of God, the anointing of God. And I just began to go. I just began to go with it. And, and it was nothing like I had ever experienced before. So I thought, okay, Lord, I can do this. Whatever you say, just you have to show up, and I'll be okay. So we keep ministering, <coughs> excuse me, in the surrounding areas. And... In this one area, we're, we're ministering, and we would do, like, these outreaches, and we do food and basketball. And that's how we get people there, and then we do this big service and spend two or three days with them. So the whole community would come out. Well, next thing I know, I've got this huge group of people coming, and i got this guy dressed in these short, short, hoochie mama shorts with a woman's tank top tied up. You get what I'm saying? And his eyebrows all shaved off, and he was different. But he's got all these people with him. So he comes out, and so finally we're like, who is this guy, and what is he has influence over here, and I'm not liking it. So find out who he is. He's with, and his whole family's there. Grandma's there, mama's there, the aunts are there. All the cousins are there, and they're having a blast till he shows up because he doesn't want them mingling with the Christians. But he starts coming to everything. So we're in service, all the kids have to be exited. And there's this one little girl who I'm having the best time with, she is drawn to me and I am just loving on her, okay? So they have to, all the kids are exited and asked to be brought to children's ministry. She didn't wanna go, she wanted to stay with us, but she went ahead and was obedient. We have service and we were supposed to bring the kids in after service. Well, right before the altar call time comes, here rushes in this little girl. We go to give the altar call, grandma, rushes the altar she is the first one there she gives her heart to the lord i mean she is bawling her eyes out hysterical crying so this little girl goes up too i'm talking seven eight years old she goes up to the altar and i'm breaking for her because i'm realizing i know who her family is i know the drama so i go to pray for her and she begins wailing she begins laughing she begins wailing she begins laughing Next thing you know, she's limp in my arms. I'm f I can't hold her up anymore. I'm like laid out in the Holy Ghost on the floor with this little girl. And as, as she would wail and cry, the Lord would begin to show me the things that she suffered in that home and the pain and the drama and the, just the disgust. And that was the weeping and the wailing of him healing it. And him, him, him providing for it. And then the laughing would be all the joy that, that a child should know and the innocence being restored. And I couldn't handle it. I was a blubbering idiot. Hours went by. The, the team was laughing at me. The leader of the team was just, Heather's never going home the same. But that, my friends, was the glory of God. That little girl's still serving, serving Christ today. They've got a church plant there, so I keep up with her. But I got to see the glory of God. I got to see the destitute reality of the life they were living and what the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ provides for an individual. That, that is the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus, that the blood of Christ came to atone for everything she's gone through. That in one moment of time, all that a lifetime that the enemy has taken away and, 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 and rent horror in a moment of time the gospel can come in and breathe life and hope and healing that's the glory of God I want to see that all the days of my life I want to see him come and set the captive free I want to see him come and open the eyes of the blind that is the glory of God so that's y'all see why I might get a little antsy when people start saying why do they pray for people why does all that have to happen because I want to see the glory of God because I want to, I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ because I believe he came to set people free that we're not to live in a mundane Christianity world. That's not the gospel. That is false. It is time for us to rise up and understand these pages are life. They are life. They are hope. They are healing. Because of what? Because John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is living and active and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. That is life and hope and healing. That's why we create atmospheres for worship, and we go in extended times, so and we don't look at our watches and care that it's 1130. 
because we want the glory of God to come and shine upon man, that our sons and our daughters might come to know the healing, that the things that they experience in school, in the workplace, and on the streets can't touch them because they're children of God. But they'll never know that if we don't provide atmospheres for the glory of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to come and invade their hearts and their lives, for them to have a personal encounter. That's why we do what we do. First Samuel 3.21 says on page, no, go to page two. E, it says a lion is admirable for its ferocious strength and imperial appearance. A lamb is admirable for its meekness and servant-like provision of wool for our clothing. But even more admirable is a lion-like lamb and a lamb-like lion. What makes Christ glorious, as Jonathan Edwards observed over 250 years ago, is an admirable conjunction of diverse excellencies. Think about it. When you look at the lion and you look at him all stout and proud with his muscles and, his, and just his, his presence demands respect. When he, you know, I've been in Africa and I've heard the lion roar. Man, when it roars, you check and make sure your windows are locked and everything's sealed tight. It demands respect. And when you look at that precious lamb and all the softness and all the humility of it, that it'll just go and it'll eat that grass. It's just cute. Your kid just wants to go and pet it. Total difference. But we see both in Christ Jesus. We see Christ going and overturning the tables in the temple in, in furious Yet a week later, he's hanging on the cross. We see the one that's all powerful, that's able to do anything he wants, that put the very world in existence, yet he wouldn't get down off the tree. That what makes it so beautiful is because you have all of the diverse excellencies, all powerful, all knowing, yet took on the form of flesh and walked as you and I felt our hurts, felt our pains. The creator of all things had to learn to walk, had to suck at his mother's breast for food. The diverse excellencies of who he is makes him beautiful, makes the gospel beautiful. Amen. He that knew no sin took on our sin that you and I might have life. Amen. Doesn't even make sense in the natural, but that's the glory of God. Yeah. And it's given to us in the face of Christ. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The word begets and nourishes faith. My friends, if we're not in this book, we're not in this book. When tough times come in our life, we're going to flail in the wind. This is our food. This is our nourishment. This is where we find Christ. This is where we find our hope. This is where we meet him and dance with him and sing with him. Because how else would I know the cloud over the prison that day was a cloud of glory? Had I not been in the book? Come on, had I not, had I not been in the book and read the book of Acts and read, read all the times the Spirit would come upon people and they'd speak in other tongues, how else would I know that, I, that some demon didn't jump out of them inmates on me and make me go crazy? Come on. But the book begets nourishment for our souls. God gives faith, but the Word is the instrument. God gives us faith, but the words, the instruments. How many times have we heard from God or think we heard from God or have something happen and we really have no idea what it means and we're so confused and all of a sudden we're reading and bam, it's a rhema word just for me. And I, I understand that situation because the word of God is an instrument. It's a tool that you and I need to have in our tool belt. That, that, that tool belt is built by day in and day out reading. Day in and day out, spending time there. And my friends, so oftentimes when you first begin, you're reading and you're like, I just read for 10 minutes. I don't even know what I read. Where was I at? What, what is that? But then you just start again. You just read a paragraph. And lo and behold, in a moment of time, in your time of need, the Spirit of God is going to bring um, to your memory that which you've already read. And you're how did I know that? Oh, I've been reading the Word. I've been reading the word. All of a sudden, it's in you. 
It is not hearing the enticing words of man's wisdom, but hearing the word of God that will befriend faith and hearing it as the word of God. You know, how many times have y'all heard us hear from God, hear from God for people, hear from God for people, but don't just give them your opinion. Ask God for a scripture. I really feel like God's telling me for so-and-so. I really feel like so-and-so just needs it. Good, ask God for a scripture. He will give you. Why? Because that's the thing that they hold on to. That's the thing that takes root in someone's life. You know, in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they're going to forget about your good story. We hear a lot of great stories, right? All over the place. Precious stories. But they don't give life to our inner man. But the Spirit of God, the Word of God, brings that life. The Word of God it can be that anchor that in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 70 years we can look back to and hold on to that Word that whole time. When we, people come to us and want to get married, people say they want to go in the ministry, especially the ministry. We say, great, what's your scripture? You want to go on a mission trip? Great, what's your scripture? I feel like the Lord said, and I saw this cloud, and it was this purple thing, and that, I mean, that's the royalty, and so I know I'm a priest. Yes, you are. What's your scripture? What's your scripture? Because times are going to come where you're going to flail in life, and you're going to want to quit. You're going to want to give up on everything. But if you've got the word of God to stand as an anchor, you're not going to stray. You're not going to sway. Galatians 3.2 says, this, oh, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Thank you, Lord. Paul's own renewed heart, his elevated affections, his exalted hopes, his consolations and trials, his peace in the prospect of death, and the happy influences of the system around him and the conversions of others are ample proof that religion is true. In other words, have you, did you get born again? Did you begin your walk by the law, by someone spelling out that you're a horrible sinner, or by the Spirit of God breathing what? The light and life into your being. So it's the same thing as our walk began by the Spirit. Our walk has to always be by the Spirit. You know, I've got family and friends in all different denominations, and, and, and I have someone very dear to my heart that is staying in a particular faith because of the fact that it's safe, that she can judge people's lives and actions by their, their laws within their church. Do you, you get it? By their traditions. If this is accepted, this is not accepted, and it's period. Whereas... We're choosing to live by the word of God and the spirit of God that I can't sit there with a pen and judge. Did Kathy do this today? What about that, Kathy? Let, give me your checklist. No, because we'd all fail. Everyone in this room, myself included, would fail. It began by the spirit. We've never been good enough. We've never been good enough. So why would we want to impute that on other people? Why would we want to begin that later in life? The reason Paul could go and live and do all that he did and experience all that he did with his beatings and the imprisonments and the church causing all kinds of ruckus all over the place, come on, was because he was a man of the word and a man of the spirit. He lived it. He lived it. He didn't hold people to a standard he couldn't live up to himself. He chose to see the light of the glory of the gospel in all things. He chose to see the goodness of Christ and the mercy of Christ displayed. He revels in all that God was doing versus trying to judge and condemn. Come on. We have a long way to go. 1 Samuel 3.21 on page 3. I love this. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh. How? By the word of the Lord. This spiritual light is not suggesting of any new truths or propositions not contained in the word of God. We're talking about the spiritual light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. When we say we want to see Jesus, we want to see your glory. You know that song we sing? Well, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. We're not talking about show me some new mystical weird thing. The Lord reveals himself by the word. He revealed himself in Shiloh by the word. So the spiritual light we're talking about is not suggesting any new truths or propositions not contained in the word of God. This suggesting of new truths or doctrines to the mind independently of any antecedent revelation of those propositions either in word or writing is inspiration. 
If it's not found in the word, it's saying it's inspiration, such as the prophets and apostles had and some enthusiasts pretend to. But the spiritual life that I'm speaking of is quite a different thing from inspiration. It reveals no new doctrine, suggests no new proposition to the mind. It teaches no new thing of God or Christ or another world not taught in the Bible, but only gives a due apprehension of those things that are taught in the Word of God. Let me give you a very practical example of this. We've talked about this since we've been here. We've talked about the gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about the baptism of the Spirit and how God comes upon us. And as believers, He'll come upon us in our prayer time. He'll come upon us and he'll begin to speak things. And most believers operate in spiritual gifts and have no idea they're operating in them, right? The only way we're able to know that is by what? The light of the glory of Jesus Christ to be revealed in our hearts, that so we would see Christ in it. Well, I've been sitting in church for years at Victory, and I've been searching scriptures, and I want to know about the spiritual gifts, and all of a sudden, a moment of time, Pastor Frank's in transition, and he's praying in tongues, and the next thing you know, he interprets it. And I said, by golly, that's the coolest thing ever. He finally interpreted. I told my friends after church what happened, and they said, yeah, that happens all the time. But I never knew because I was still blinded. I was still unable to see those things. But in a moment of time, it became real, right? So when we say we want to experience him and we want to see him, the word of the Lord appeared to him in, the Lord appeared to him in Shiloh by the word, it means that the word of God become, begins to come to light in our everyday beings. I met with someone this week and they were sharing how they thought for so long they didn't hear from God and they, it, he was so far away from them and, and I just want to hear from him. And the next thing you know, began to realize last Sunday in service when pastor said, hey, get a word for someone. Ask the Lord for a scripture. You got a scripture, guess what? That was a word of knowledge for someone. And the light bulb went off. All of a sudden the blinder went off and realized I hear from God all the time. I've been operating in spiritual gifts for years and never knew it. It's not revealing some, we're not revealing some new weird doctrine. We're revealing the word of God come to life inside of a believer to empower you that, yes, you do have the living God. Now let's go out and give it to someone. The word of the Lord reveals Christ. Galatians 3.10. Y'all doing okay tonight? For as many as are the works of the law, thank you, Lord, time. The works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. I guess that means you and I are cursed. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Faith. So we're seeing Christ in the gospel. How? Is that the reality of it is, it is that there is no gospel without Christ. You and I, are by, by the law, are cursed. You and I, by law, are condemned to death. Period. Every man that's ever lived by the law of God is cursed. Yet Christ himself, the center of our faith, the center of the gospel, became a curse for us when he hung on the tree. It is not putting ourselves under the law, but by faith in Christ we become the people of God and heirs to his promise. In other words, we can't begin to expect and do a law thing do, have you done this? Well, you need to do X, Y, Z and follow these things that I did in order to become a Christian, in order to follow Christ. It's, it's not, it doesn't happen that way. It's a free gift. It's a free gift offered to each and every one that's ever lived. And Christ says, just hand it over to me. Hand over your failures. Hand over your sins. Hand over your impurities. Because I've taken them upon myself. It's no longer putting ourselves under the law. Um, the misery as sinners were sunk into were under the curse and condemnation. If you look around the world, the world around us full of sin is miserable. I don't care if they've got a million bucks in the bank or if they don't even have a bank account. 
you look at them and you get into their lives and they are miserable. They're chasing after bigger houses, bigger boats, bigger diamonds, you know, more muscles on the body, or they're chasing after just gimme, 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 the biggest crack rock or the biggest this, the biggest that, whatever. Whether if they're angry and they're mad, they're going to see they, who they can beat, who they can hurt the most. Whatever it is, it's all about being miserable, miserable in the state of sin, miserable without the love of God. The love and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ towards us and that he, has sub he submitted to be made a curse for us, that he might redeem us from the curse of the law. Ladies, we've been talking a lot about submission late lately. Christ himself, all-powerful, creator of heaven and earth that can do anything that's all-powerful, chose to submit himself to the Father and become a curse for you and I. Woo! Makes our submission a little bit easier. Let's go ahead and read Isaiah 53. If you can turn there in your Bibles, it's the only scripture not in your notes for you. Isaiah 53, starting in verse 1, it says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth." Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, you shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul into death, and he was numbered with the transgressors as he bore the sin of many and made the intercession for, intercession for the transgressors. You know, I think it would do us good to live in Psalm 53 year-round. And remember just what it was that Christ offered for you and for I. He came and he bore it all. And the, the awesome thing is we flip from Isaiah 53 to go to 1 Peter, and it's, it's, the, it's the prophecy, it's, it's the flip side, it's the present day uh, um, response of Isaiah 53. And it says, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. You know, reading, reading this right after Psalm 53 is like, whoa, for this you and I were called to because Christ also suffered for us, leaving the example, wait, what? I'm supposed to follow, I'm supposed to follow in that? I'm supposed to, though, like a lamb led to the slaughter, didn't even open his mouth. Makes us feel horrible How for the complaining and the worry. Verse 22, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. 
And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. By you and I, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. Have you died to sin, my friend? Have you died to gossip? Have you died to whining? Have you died to sin? Have you died to the porn? Have you died to sin? The lying, the cheating, the stealing, the fighting, the bickering, the backbiting. It doesn't seem so big anymore when we look at it in the light of the gospel of Jesus. Without the gospel, our eyes are blinded and we justify being mad. We justify the stealing. We justify the lying. But when we look at it in conjunction of who Christ is and what he died for us to give, there's no question, my friends. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. You know, I believe that I believe that the blinders are coming off even now. The blinders are even coming off now to, to you know, it's a Wednesday night. We're the faithful. But blinders are even coming off now that, God, forgive me for forsaking time with you. Now I get why it's so important to put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not my judgment on tradition and what I think things should look like in life. But truly putting Jesus first, finding him in here, finding him in here, finding him in experience and letting the love of God breathe on us and shine the light of the gospel. It's very hard to watch porn when you just got out of the word. Amen. It's very hard to go lie to someone when you spent morning prayer time caught up in the Holy Spirit praying in your heavenly language and signs and wonders and visions it's very hard to go be lying and deceitful my friends Christ, the blood of Christ is not some story not something that we experience one time so we can say hey I'm gonna go dance on streets of gold I don't know about you but I don't care about the streets of gold I want to go sit at his feet I want to know what it is to bask in his glory. He's alive. He's real. What this word says is true. We too much of Christianity is spent living defeated because we don't know what's available. What's available was provided in the atonement of Christ, yet we take those things out of church. Yet we take out, you know, that's why we get so upset. Take out the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? That's the heavenly ministry of Jesus who went to the cross with my sins and my life on his hands and has ascended into heaven, pouring himself out that I don't have to live a disgusting drug dealer anymore, but that I get to live to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that I get to spend all my days not shameful for who I once was, but alive in Christ Jesus, giving life and hope and healing. Walking through doors, not letting doors be slammed in my face because everybody's out to get me. Who cares? It's defeated. It's defeated. It's defeated. Once and for all, it is defeated. We do not live as victims. We live as victors because of the blood of the Lamb. Because of the blood of the Lamb. Freeing from death and destroying the devil. Hebrews 2.14. And as much then, we're at the bottom of page 4. And as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Once and for all, he defeated, he might destroy him who had the power of death. It's not, it's going to be one day. He defeated him. In the book, Seeing and Savoring, John Piper describes it this. When Christ rose from the grave and defeated the devil, it's almost like you have a dragon, right? A fire-breathing dragon. And you go and you cut off his head. But the problem is the dragon's not dead till it bleeds to death, Right? But he's still defeated. 
He's just writhing all over in pain and anger, right? And because this huge dragon is massive and, you know, writhing his body all over the place, he can still do a little bit of damage. But I don't really have to be worried. I just got to get out of the way and understand that he's already defeated and not worry too much about him, right? Because ultimately he can't come and get me unless I let him. The devil's head's been cut off. He only has power when we give him power. He only gets glory when we give him glory. He's defeated. It's a done deal. So what do we do? It's the ravioli. I begin to put on Christ. I begin to find myself hidden in Christ. Because for those of y'all that weren't here, you just got to listen to the podcast. (laughs) I just want to find myself hidden because the blood covers me. Because the blood has defeated him. Because the blood is more powerful than anything that the prince of darkness could ever show and blow my way. So I'll not fear though the arrow comes. Because I know the one who set me free. I know the one who went to the cross for me. I know the one who sits and intercedes for me. And in my very time of need chooses to pour out his spirit as my helper. As my son Tylam Badamai that comes and partners with me in my time of need. 1 John 3, 8 says that he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. When we are sinning, whoever is living a life in sin is under the influence of the devil at the moment. We're not in Christ. Someone that's choosing to live habitually in sin is living under the authority of the devil and not under the authority of the power of God. And so we rebuke it. We begin to proclaim and prophesy the word of God over ourselves. We begin to stir up the gift of God. We begin to call forth to light and believe that God will breathe the light of the glory of Jesus into that situation. Colossians 2.13 says, You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out all the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. My friends, if you're here tonight, and I would guarantee that it's most people because it's, we live in a fallen world. Maybe you've been recently born again. Maybe you've been born again a long time. Maybe you, you got born again, but you know what? You like those stupid, dirty magazines. All we have to do is claim the authority of Christ and understand. You know, I've discipled a lot of people, spirit, soul, and body, and the same stupid devil that gets and grips people with drugs and alcohol and sex is the same one that grips people with gluttony. It's the same stinking thing. So whether I'm talking about a dirty magazine or I'm talking about the Chips Ahoy, it doesn't rule and reign over us unless we allow it. It doesn't get to have a hold on who we are unless we give it root to. But when we begin to look at it in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and realize that he took that desire, bam. Why is Chips Ahoy same same thing? Because when you overeat, the same uh, chemical is produced in your brain as is produced during sex, as is produced during a high from a drug. Same exact scientific thing. Why? Because you and I were created, we talked about this last week, for pleasure. We were created for pleasure. We were created to enjoy God, to enjoy the earth, to enjoy all the things he's given to us. We were created to enjoy those things, yet the fallen man seeks to find it, and everything else is not of God that hurts and harms us. So when we begin to realize, I didn't stop doing drugs because someone told me it was wrong. You don't think I knew it was wrong? I did it because I was mad, I was angry, and I wanted something to fix the hurt. And when I fell in love with Jesus, I loved him more than I loved that stupid pot. I loved him more and enjoyed spending time with him more than I liked that white powdery stuff. 
We change because we find more pleasure in him. We change because we see what he really provided for us on the cross. And we begin to say, you know what? He doesn't want me to not ever feel good. He doesn't want me to ever uh, be happy. He wants me to be happy. I'm going to choose to put that up there and by faith walk out the walk that Christ gave me at the cross. And I'm not going to live like that anymore. Maybe you're sitting here saying, I've been born again for 20 years. Don't you know? I stopped doing drugs a long time ago, Missy. Nobody even knows about that. Maybe you're mad at your wife or your husband and you have so much anger and bitterness and judgment in your heart that you forgot that Christ paid for that too. Oops. It's real easy to say, look at preacher girl who used to be a drug dealer. Well, look at you who judges the world. Same thing. Christ died for all of it. That's why I love being married to this one. It's the condescending highs and lows of Christ. All powerful and all humble. But oh my, guess what? The lion's coming out. He's got a little bit of heather. I get it. I get it. I'm the wild, crazy one. Are you following me? That lived wildly. And here's a little lamb. Sweet and innocent. And he gives us both. Y'all get the picture, right? That's the glory. I've already told y'all, that's the glory of God. That he would give some wild, crazy girl, some precious guy that fell in love with Christ at an early age and has chosen to walk the walk and believe Christ for all that he has. What a gift. What a gift for him to stand proud and be able to say, not many men, even Christian men, can say, let their wife get up and say that white powdery stuff that I used to do. <laughs> And still love me and respect me and honor me. A long time ago, after I was born again, I was through a situation, I guess right before I was born again, and I was in an um, abusive relationship, and I began telling someone for the first time about the abuse that I was in and the things, some of the things that happened, and they said, you know, I really don't want to know these things about you. Some things are, should be left in the closet. And, and you know, one day you're going you're gonna to want to marry someone, and you're going to want to tell them everything you think is right. Don't ever tell anyone these things because I'll never marry you. And thanks be unto God that the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ brought it all to the light. And I have nothing to be ashamed of. So whether you're like me or you're the person that's been a Christian for 40 years and you think you're supposed to know it all, but you're an angry, pent-up, mean old Gus, you don't have anything to be shameful of either. You don't. You'll get what I'm saying. You don't have because why? Because it was all nailed to the cross. My filth and Zach's filth were both nailed side by side. Both of us, regardless of how ugly my sin would be to the world and how ugly his sin into Christ, both required the same blood. Yeah. Both required the same atonement. Yeah. So I yep. <laughs> Romans five six. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we, were, if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Saved, that's that sozo, spirit, soul, body, every part of our being saved, given to life in Christ. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Last verse, Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You and I have been brought near by the blood of Christ offers so much more than you and I have yet to experience. And so much more grace often come on up. And so much more than the church at large has experienced. By the blood, you and I have been brought near. Do we understand what that is? In the Old Testament, only one was able to enter to the Holy of Holies. And it was once a year. And oh, he had to wear a bell. You know why he had to wear a bell? Because he might get struck dead. 
But you and I, by the blood of the Lamb, have given opportunity to draw near to the Lord. It's not religion. It's not tradition. It's not law. It's not a measuring stick of, of putting, putting each other next to each other on the measuring stick to see who's holier and who's not. We all get access by the blood. We're all called and drawn near by the blood of the Lamb. We all have access to the same Holy Ghost. We all have access to the same power to live victorious in life. He's offering it to us now. I believe that, that honestly, that the blinders have come off tonight over and over and over and over. Have you felt it? Have you let it? And as the blinders have come off, are you choosing and willing to step forward and to claim with your lifestyle the victory that the cross has given. You see, so many times people can come and receive a healing. But you know, if you've been hurt and your back's been hurt a long time and you've learned to live off those medications, you don't want to get off of them because then it alters the way of life that you've chosen to, to keep. Because you say, I don't want this anymore. I want to be healed. But when the healing comes, you don't want to give up what you've learned to live with. And so as the light of the glory is shown in areas of our lives tonight, are we willing to make this sacrifice? Are we willing to follow in Christ's footsteps that though he died, he was made alive? That as you and I come and we put to death the things of the world, we're made alive in Christ. And as we walk out of here, we'll be tempted. But we're going to choose to find Christ in the Word and to let it come life in our everyday lives. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330 762 7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so all